Hey good people, this is your host Akil Cole and you're listening to Community Blooms. Community Blooms brings you refreshing, inspiring, and hopeful stories from real people in different communities working to protect the environment, educate those around them, and improve the health of their communities. Community Blooms is a podcast by the Community Ecology Institute, or CEI, a nonprofit organization based in Columbia, Maryland. The mission of CEI is cultivating communities where people and nature thrive together. Today's episode is the last of three conversations centered on folks from the CEI. I speak with Gabe Smith and Alicia Service about their experiences connecting with the environment, joining the CEI, and building and maintaining valuable relationships. Gabe Smith is a board member over at the Community Ecology Institute, where he is an active part of the community outreach team, diversity, equity, and inclusion team, and farm volunteer coordination team. Alicia Service is one of the high school students that began interning at the CEI in the fall of 2020. This episode was recorded in March, Women's History Month, so part of our discussion involved a reflection on the impact of women in our guests' lives and the incredible leadership of women over at the CEI. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us for another episode. So today we have two very special guests from the Community Ecology Institute, starting off with Gabriel Smith, otherwise known as Gabe, and also we have Alicia Service. So thank you all for coming. Thank you all for joining me for this conversation. I'm really stoked. Thanks for having us and thanks for putting this together. Um, the coordination of this, um, I imagine is very challenging. Yeah, it's got its challenges, but it's fun. And honestly, just the people that I've gotten to interact with from CEI make it just not even something I think about too much. I'm just like, yes, I get to have these conversations and get to work. So it's cool. So speaking of work, I want to give the listeners a bit of context on the both of you and how you guys got involved with environmental work. So Alicia, let's start with you. How did you get involved with the environmental space? I guess it was really organic. It was just something that I stumbled across and I thought was really important and interesting. Um, my dad's a humanitarian, so he is specifically involved in emergency relief. Um, so whenever there is a lot of political instability, but more, or actually more frequently, it's just natural disaster, he gets sent straight out. Um, so I was always sort of like conscious of looking at, oh, that's a big storm coming oh, that's climate change. And you have a lot of climate refugees and people who need to adapt to this changing environment. Um, and sort of just slowly became more invested because I was just always around it. And I found this place and it's ramped up a whole lot. That's beautiful. Like I definitely resonate with identifying increasingly frequent and common storms. Like coming from South Florida, Besides having nice weather, it gets pretty extreme, but like just being so close to the, to the Caribbean, like the Bahamas got wrecked 
Puerto Rico get wrecked. Cuba consistently gets wrecked. Half my family's from Jamaica and like there's always worries about storms. So keeping an eye out and having it close definitely makes um, a lot of sense. So I'm glad you found a, an organic way to keep it in your consciousness. Yeah. The Caribbeans, man, they got there a whole load of tropical storms. They live in the Dominican Republic when I was little. And we were there when the tsunami hit Haiti. Wow. Um, were we there? I don't really remember it. It was all really a haze. Mm. Um, but I remember the fallout from that. It was just crazy. And the fact that people don't make a conscious effort to reflect environmentally conscious decisions in their whole lifestyle when they do have the ability to make a, a, the tiniest change but you know everything adds up so i feel like if people were just more aware about the impacts of climate change and of natural disaster then we'd be a lot more receptive to efforts like at cei who actively work towards mitigating harm agreed how about you gabe my story i think is a little uh, less linear. So I guess I've always been interested in science. I've always been involved in science. I, I um, majored in biology in college, but I, I think I've always had a, a love for um, the environment and ecology and um, animals and I guess the natural environment. So like when I was in college, I became vegan because I found out that it was a more uh, sustainable diet. And I just always kind of had that natural you know, response to environmental issues. I feel like very strongly about it. But the way that I ended up at CEI is because I, I guess I was trying to find um, a new path in life. Like I always, like I said, love the environment. And I think I realized after college um, that how important it was to me and how therapeutic it was to me. And I just really wanted to figure out a way to get involved in it in a broader capacity. Um, I just realized one day uh, upon reflecting that I really wasn't doing enough. Like I, I had been vegan for multiple years and, you know, I recycled and I, you know, did what I thought was necessary as an individual, but I realized kind of that it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought that it should be. And um, I just made an instant change and, and just thought like, oh, I need to uh, redirect the course of my life and make sure that I'm putting in as much energy as possible to um, do what is necessary to protect and save the environment and get more people engaged um, into the environment. Because I think there is a disconnect, like you guys were talking about earlier, um, there's a disconnect between the real effects of climate change and what we as individuals or as smaller communities are doing. So um, I was just kind of researching like um, environmental nonprofits <laughs> in the area. Um, so I just stumbled upon CEI. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Um, and it seemed really accessible and small. And um, I just thought that was super appealing. It didn't um, seem like some type of like uh, exclusive group that, I mean, made up of people that didn't you know, look like me or weren't in my age group or with my, you know, background. So I, I thought that was really cool. So that's kind of how I got into environmental work. I didn't have any direct connection except for loving the environment, but um, I just kind of wandered and found CEI that way. I resonate with that a lot because I, I guess, especially because like I'm, I'm a first year in college and I found out about it when Dr. Diamore, like Kiara, she came into my class and gave a presentation and like, 
at the time, and still I'm undeclared, so I don't really know what I'm majoring in, but I do know what I want to minor in, and that's in environmental studies. And I remember she was presenting, talking about the Freetown Farm, talking about all of the initiatives at, um, at CEI, and like my mind is just being blown every five seconds <laughs> about like how tangible and how community oriented and how driven everyone at the farm is. And I think going back to the connection or better said the disconnection that a lot of us face, I think a lot of people really just need something like that where they're, they're able to connect their lifestyle, they're able to connect what they see and then they're able to connect that to something different because let's be real. If you're only given doomsday scenarios about how you live, the only thing you're gonna do is be depressed and continue living the way you're living because you don't have an alternative. At least you don't think you have an alternative. So just hearing both of your stories about how you got connected both organically and kind of tangentially, like I really feel like a lot of people resonate with that. So in that vein, going back to Alicia, is there any particular moment or maybe event that you can remember that might've inspired or maybe catalyzed more so on your connection to nature? Gosh, I don't know. I feel like it was always just things compounding like in a bunch of just one thing happened, another thing happens. You see things on the news, you see things locally, like people going out there picking trash, you look out the window, you see a ridiculous amount of litter across the side of the highway. And you sort of like, subconsciously and consciously picking up all these cues that you sort of like figure like hey I have the capacity to do something so I, I should like it's not not everyone's like capable of making certain lifestyle choices but I did so I wanted to be able to act on that because you know I live a pretty privileged life so I want to give back in any way that I can yeah, I like that. How about you, Gabe? Has there been like maybe a watershed moment for you? I think kind of like Alicia was saying, it's there have been multiple moments, but um, I think, uh, you know, in the recent past, like the past couple of years, I've really started to reflect. And I realized, like I said before, how important um, and not, I mean, just important, how essential that um, the natural environment was to my own well-being. Um, so I am a cancer survivor and I, I realized that after reflecting after that experience, I realized that I really um, leaned on nature and being outside as a part of my therapy and as a part of my treatment, as a treatment for the treatment, <laughs> because um, it was really difficult to get through. And I just always found myself kind of going outside to get relief from that. So um, I, I think that was after kind of realizing like that pattern of me needing to go outside or needing to be next to a window or needing to kind of touch a plant or feel sunlight on my skin or like all of those things, I, I kind of realized like, oh, this is something that is more than just a passive enjoyment. This is like um, a need. This is uh, something that I need to supplement my life or else I won't be able to navigate the more challenging times. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess those, all of those moments were the watershed is when I had that realization and kind of put that all together. <laughs> kind of like a watershed current. This <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I just met you, but 
I just gotta say, I'm glad you survived. And I'm glad <laughs> that you were able to connect to to nature um, as a, as a means for healing. I mean, that's that's beautiful, and I think that's a testament to our connection. One thing that stuck out to me about like Dr. Diamore's presentation, she was like, before COVID, she was like, I think in America, she was like, upwards of 95, like 98% of our time was spent indoors. And then I was like, pre-COVID, and it's something that we take for granted, you know, because as much convenience as we have, like, we're doing this on, on Zoom, you know, and like, that wouldn't be possible if we were only living outside, but there's a cost for that. And that really resonates with me. I haven't had any bouts with something as serious as cancer, but definitely during the pandemic, when things were getting low for me mentally, the best thing that I could have done for myself every time was go on a walk. Even if I didn't feel like, yes, I'm rejuvenated. I'm, I'm born again. Like, no, I just don't feel like crap, you know, because I saw the trees and the birds are singing and they don't even know there's a pandemic. They're just flying around and chirping and there's something inherently beautiful about that that really connects with me personally so thank you for sharing that of course so can you give us a little bit of a context as to the kind of work that you're doing now i'll go back to alicia as an intern what what kind of work are you doing now i mean sort of like a general aid i do what they asked me to do pretty much um sometimes it's like grant writing a lot of on-field work it's like uh some taking care of the chickens on occasionally, um, leveling out gardens, mulching, a lot of like labor on site, which is really fun to be honest. Um, this book, like, I feel like I'm achieving something. I can see the results happening and I'm never working by myself. Um, there's so many other interns that I collaborate with on a weekly basis. Yeah, on a weekly basis and you get to see this one project just be fulfilled in a day and like you see this giant mound being cleared in a day and it's just really gratifying to look at that and make nice we did that so it's just sort of general farm aid and maintenance and writing stuff that they need me to write but it's really nice why do you think it's important to like at least for you personally to see like your work come to a result I'm not very patient is the issue. <laughs> it's just that instant gratification. And nature is wonderful because it can give that to you in different levels, right? You can see something grow over a short period of time or you could see immediate change. Like if you go, we had a big trash cleanup, actually not even big. It was like not even a full mile that we covered. It was a really short distance, but we figured we filled four wagon folds of trash wagon. And it, it was like this we found a microwave um like a a full blown microwave on the side <laughs> of the road yeah and it was just like it was horrifying in that there was a microwave and so much trash everywhere but knowing that we were able to change something so quickly um that was really nice to see yeah i i agree i remember one day just before school started, I, I was just like, you know what? My high school is looking kind of, you know, literary. I was like, hey guys, uh, this Friday come like six people from my school, like all of them alumni. It was like, yeah. And even though I know like probably three times as trashy now, hopefully not, but realistically speaking, 
just seeing that impact is dope <laughs> and scary and like kind of sad because just people's behavior but I get the instant gratification I feel like we always have to look at it optimistically if you're like hey it's gonna get dirty again anyways then it's never gonna be better you can try to fix something and it's gonna break again but you shouldn't just let it rot without you trying to do anything to help it out that's exactly yeah and I feel like that, I mean, just to chime in, I feel like that mindset is um, really pervasive and also it's pernicious and it's lazy because, I mean, we don't say that about our houses or we don't say that about our personal spaces, you know, like it's going to get dirty, but it's, we have to maintain it. That's part of being a steward of, uh, you know, the space that you're occupying. You have to continually maintain it. So, and I, I'm just like commenting on that because I feel like I've heard that. Uh, before and it really bothers me because you would never say that about any other place that you respect and call home but for some reason the outdoors is like this throwaway you know area that we can just do whatever we please and not have to not have to do anything to maintain it which is it's silly true i appreciate appreciate you both like for checking me on that because that's that's a train of thought that i hadn't even checked myself yeah that's absolutely right yeah, I, I mean, I had it at one point too, so I had to check myself. Everybody's getting checked, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just the little things too. It's not like, hey, I'm going to consciously throw out a microwave. That's like really big. But like people are like, hey, I'll just throw away this like wrapper. It'll, it'll decompose. Like it'll fly away. No big deal. But they're not the only person who thinks that, right? It's so many people who think that and they're like, oh, this is not a big deal. Just a tiny little piece of plastic but it all adds up when you have so many people adopting that mentality so i just think we always have to be conscious and like hey it might be a little inconvenient to hold this piece of trash a little longer but there's no reason for me to just toss it out a window or just drop it on the floor true how do you think individuals and then you know people and families and then like in the wider community can go about changing that mindset amongst people that they know have it that they know have it. I don't know. I feel like for parenting, you know, I don't like giving parenting advice, <laughs> but um, for parenting, getting in young and like teaching kids that you have to care about the environment. It's not something that you get to like tear up. Like if you see your little kid like pulling out grass and, and doing, all, I guess it's natural, but like if they're purposely desecrating the earth, <laughs> That's so dramatic. But if you see them not showing any respect for the earth, highlight that. The people who already believe that, I don't know, because it's it's hard for people to break habits. Um, it's hard for them to really conceptualize things that they don't really see, because they only see themselves throwing it away one piece of trash. They don't see everyone else do it. They don't see like these big, massive swaths of land being covered in plastic. So it's just sort of I don't know how to answer that. I think that um, if we show what the difference could look like, uh, then that hopefully would have a huge impact. Um, I know that there was a social media challenge a couple of months ago or two, like a year ago. I can't remember what the name of it was, but basically people would take before and after pictures of, you know, like a beach or some other natural space and they would show the trash spread diffusely across the space and then they would show like the trash collected in bags and I think it, at least to me seeing that that contrast really 
was astonishing. And I think hopefully other people would have that same reaction because, um, I mean, it honestly is when you kind of get used to seeing um, a, a space looking trashy and then you see what it could look like, the potential of it. And I think just the potential of anything, once you are familiar with something, but then you realize that there's a lot of potential, um, it inspires you to nurture it and want to, I guess, give it more um, value. I mean, just things in general, like that we know have value or they didn't have value before, but now they have value. Um, I think people are capable of adjusting their behavior with that. Just like, for example, I mean, I don't want to, go too much into this but like just for example if you have like a friend who suddenly becomes famous you know of course um people at one point they kind of like take the person for granted but once they become you know whether it's instagram famous or legitimately famous or or whatever like there's a, a change in attitudes toward that person or toward the place or toward the thing you know um so i think that can also be the same with the environment so i i hope that we can try that you know taking before and after pictures and then adapting that challenge i don't know what it's called but maybe <laughs> maybe we can do that yeah that's that's an excellent point i remember on instagram it might have been a couple of weeks ago where i just was scrolling through like the explore page and i saw like maybe like a, a beach somewhere in south asia and it was just like before like littered with tons and tons of plastic like layers and then clean and i was like that was impactful to me and I definitely agree. I think municipalities could do a better job of having images because those stick with people. Those resonate with our emotions a lot deeply as symbols. And on the note of symbols, are there any symbols or maybe like concepts um, for you two that resonate deeply that keep you connected more broadly to like community organizing and your passions? Like I'm a big fan of art in general. Like I like painting. Um, I think I'm a pretty creative person. Um, so sort of seeing people make nature art, whether that's like photography or just orienting things in a way that is so beautiful. Like at the farm, we have so many like cool designs, not even just like with paintings, because we do have murals, but we do have like cool formations with like tree stumps and, and uh, spirals and different things like that. And just sort of looking at the inherent beauty of nature. I feel like that's just really motivating in of it in of itself because you don't have to it's it's right there for you to see. I feel like um for me it would just be something that is alive and that grows. So like uh, all of the crops and all of the plants in the farm, not necessarily just um, produce, but all the plants on the farm that we see, you know, from a seedling to a full grown corn stalk or you know pepper plant or something like that I think for me that's really um captivating because I think I think as I get older I'm realizing like oh my gosh time is like not that long you know like you can you can see something all the way through and you can see the impact that it can have and you can see how how many people it could possibly help or how it could change things over time change other things so yeah, I, for me, it would be just like, I guess, a seed, um, because I've seen plenty of seeds go into the ground, and I've seen them yield a lot of produce uh, that is then sold and then um, consumed by people. So, I mean, including myself. So um, something about that is, is really, really cool to me. 
Yeah, and also just like the goals that we set for them, like, hey, I want to plant five seeds today. Um, and, and CEI is like their numbers of like donating tons of food and, and fresh produce to people who need it. Like that's really motivating to really, first off, at least meet it um, and to better top it from last year. Um, so I feel like setting goals and then reflecting on what you've already achieved, that's just not even with just environmental work, but with all work, being able to do that is really important. Well said. Well said. Speaking of food, I couldn't help but look up Gabe on Instagram. I saw some of your, some of your YouTube. I was like, I've got to get myself up <laughs> to, to Maryland to see what this man is cooking up. Um, where, where are you located? I'm in Miami right now. Oh, oh, okay. I, oh, but you go to school at Georgetown? Yeah, I'm remote though. Oh, you're, okay, wow. I thought for some reason you were, um, you know, at the farm all the time and I just was always missing you. <laughs> I, I, if the opportunity was there, I would be there in a heartbeat. Like as soon as that presentation in October ended, I would have just <laughs> ran up. Yeah. We'll, we'll be here whenever. Ever, um, you know, if you do, if and when you do make it up, we'll be here. I'm glad. I think I, I have hopes for summer, but if not summer, then fall. Regardless okay. of what happens, I'm, just, I'm making it happen. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back to my Instagram. What do you want to know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where you're getting inspired to make these bomb looking dishes, man. I mean, like, look, I've been at this for. A, a little while for a couple of years. So, um, and I don't cook as much as I should, but I, I don't know. I just like, I love food and I love, um, I think, you know, I don't want to sound too like preachy or vegany, like um, stereotypical vegan, but I feel like it's so cool to express yourself through food. And I think food is like another form of art. So, um, and I do, I also love art, you know, I love painting and drawing and I love um, film and photography and music um, and food. I think when I, when I made the tr transition into veganism or I guess plant-based eating, I think uh, it was so exciting for me to have that outlet because, you know, I was studying biology in college and I was just not really getting the opportunities to creatively express myself. So um, I think I just like, realized like food was a, another opportunity that I would have to, you know, I, I needed to force myself to cook so that I can eat. So I just really like, that is where my inspiration came from because it's something that is really easy and it's really rewarding because obviously you can eat it afterward. So um, uh, that's kind of where I got the energy and the drive to, to make those meals. And like I said, I need to be cooking way more than I should, <laughs> but that will be coming later this year. But um, I just had to, you know, had to get myself back together. But I'm also really passionate about capturing the beauty in nature through photography and um, I guess through video, videography too. So I try to bring that to my Instagram too, as well as just, you know, pictures of what I'm doing because I want to just be a personality too. Yeah. That personality definitely, uh, definitely shines through. Awesome. So, <laughs> I my point of view, I'm, I'm digging it for sure. Wow. Thank you. I've never heard, no, you know, people always like make fun of me for my Instagram, but I, because it's a little corny, understandably, but, um, I love it and I wouldn't change anything, obviously. <laughs> yeah. no, keep doing what you're doing. I think 
and this kind of goes to the focus of the podcast like when you are generating a lot of positivity being authentic with yourself um that's discouraged oddly enough in most societies because there's a tendency for us to want to just kind of shelter in and be cool and but that's not really how most people are and i i appreciate your authenticity um especially on a platform that isn't really known for its authenticity yeah yeah and even in the food space like i follow a lot of other vegan instagrams and it's definitely about crafting and cultivating an image to be consumed by people which is fine because you know instagram is a business and people are trying to make money but um i just wanted to show that side of myself um and like i said kind of use that to creative to express myself creatively and um hopefully like it's i mean hearing that feedback from you is really encouraging because that's literally i don't want you know obviously i don't want it i have like under 200 followers so i i'm not looking for fame <laughs> but um i just wanted to be able to impact people and to be able to spread that that joy and just to generate interest to get people to convert to the dark side. <laughs> the dark side of the greens. Yeah, the green side, I'll say. Yeah. So, I don't know why this came to mind, um, but I think it's timely. So, Alicia, what grade are you in? I'm a junior. You're a junior. So, what's your what's your social circle like? Are they equally engaged with like artistry, creativity, and or nature? Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I, it varies who I'm talking with. I have some friends who are like mostly academic friends. So it's like a lot of homework, grades, talk, like panicking about tests, but never studying for them. And then being <laughs> melodramatic. That's so relatable. But I do have friends who are like really involved in the environment. And, and I have two of them from my school who like went to intern with me at this place. Um, I know there's also a lot of clubs that they're involved in. So I think people run with different circles, but if you can find friends that do share the same interests as you with like the environment, it makes it a lot easier to take big steps. Cause I was nervous to like apply for an internship. I was like, hey, do you wanna do this with me? Um, and they're like, yeah, sure. Um, and it made it a whole lot easier. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's just, that's a really solid point. I, I don't really need to add on to that. Um, hmm. Man, I need more water. My brain's not functioning <laughs> the way it should. Note to the listeners, drink water so you don't lose your train of thought. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. It literally happens to me every day. <laughs> uh, but that's really cool. I think, um, I, I, I mean, I don't want to like insert myself into this, but um, I kind of am reflecting, seeing all the high school interns, I'm reflecting on my own time in high school. And I've been out of high school for almost 10 years now. Um, and I am just so impressed with the group of young people that have, I guess, have brought themselves out of, you know, that environment of just pacificity. I'm really impressed with uh, like how you guys are getting out and getting involved. Cause I feel like when I was in high school, we kind of just did that to 
I mean, we did kind of things um, within the school. Like there was like the environmental club and there was like um, National Honor Society and things like that, that we did for our resumes. But I feel like the high school interns that I'm seeing now are like genuinely fired up about the environment and they sought out CEI and they they came together and they organized. And I, I'm just so inspired by that. And uh, I think that it's, it makes, it reinforces my own love for the environment and it reinforces my um, decision to kind of like keep on with all of the projects that we're doing because I'm like uh, if these young people you know can do this and they can like they have this passion and this drive and this um, intelligence and just like sophistication about them like then I definitely need to get it all together and maintain it um, because you know that I think I'm inspired more by the younger people that are younger than me than I am by whatever is going on in this you know older generation they're trying to like decide whether or not climate change is even like a real thing they're still fighting you know amongst themselves but i'm so um inspired and continually inspired by you guys so i, I think and not even just in the environmental vein but also in the creative vein like the fact that um there were so many people who were willing to uh, create those beautiful signs at CEI, like, I don't know what they're all called, but obviously there's a front sign and then there's a one near the shed um, that I guess you can draw with chalk on. I'm not, I should know what this is called. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yes, that's amazing. That's beautiful. I think like, who does, who has that? Like, who thought about that? I don't know, but it was a really nice idea. Um, I guess just like surrounding yourself in pro with proactive people is just a great thing to do because it motivates you to be better. Like we have an intern, Emma. Oh my God, what a lovely girl. But she's like super involved in like political activism. And like recently she played a role in getting a, a plastic reduction law passed. Like she testified, yeah. she sent like all of her representatives emails, like it's so much lobbying and like it got passed. And like, it's just so impressive to be around someone like that. And it motivates you like, hey, I'll do it next time with you. Like I will step up my game to match you. Um, I guess it's a bit competitive, but um, it's- no, but that's that's like how you should be like it should be not necessarily competitive but it should be like inspiring um because like the kids who did that when i was in high school you would kind of think that they were overachievers you know so like it, you kind of wanted you didn't want it because it wasn't as cool you know like oh why are they doing so much you know with that like what's what's going on with that but now it seems like it's cool it's like um the thing to do to motivate your peers to take action because it's going to affect your generation, so it's necessary. I guess inspired is a better word than competitive. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it's just really motivating to be around people like that. Speaking of motivation, so it's Women's History Month and I want to get your both of your perspectives on like some of the women in your lives and like in the um, ecology and environmental space um, that have inspired you. So. Emma seems to have been one of them. Like, shout out to Emma. I don't know you yet, but shout out to you and your, your work. But let's start off with Alicia. Yeah. Well, okay. First, I guess, like, just in general, my life, of course, my mom's going to be there. She's just done so much for me. Like, she's um, an immigrant from Angola. She had to like move around a country. She had no idea how to speak the language and just like completely adapt just because we had to go like better schools because, you know, going to school and like Angola or Zambia, Dominican Republic, it could be a bit 
difficult or it's just you're not able to see the same resources or anything like that but she's always been there and like always encouraged us to be really active um in our personal lives and also advocate for what we want in our lives like not just like sit down and let stuff happen to you but actively pursue things so I think that her teaching me that from a really young age has motivated me to become more active and less scared but I'm still scared because I don't like to do things by myself but um she's a great lady um and for CEIs but in particular there's so many lovely ladies who it just direct everything and like they have so much control over like their vision and they really just make a plan like we're gonna do this and they do it and it's just wonderful to be a part of that and help them fulfill their vision it's just it's lovely felt that Gabe. I think, uh, I guess in terms of CEI, obviously Kiara is a huge, hugely inspiring person. Um, I think for me, um, I mean, I've never been someone to kind of distinguish like, okay, this is a woman leader. This is a man leader. I'm going to, you know, have different feelings based on their gender or um, sex. But I think for her, it just like, there's something about her gentle, approaches yet um, assertiveness and um, I guess self-confidence but also vulnerability um, that I find to be so relatable and I don't know if like a man would have that ability um, because you know I think women are just expected to be all these different things so I think you know when when I see her and when I work with her I'm just so impressed by who she is and how she's able to maintain all of these different um, aspects of what a well-rounded person and what an ideal person that I want to have in my life uh, embodies. So, and she's also a mother who's very involved with, they're um, very involved in her children's lives. Um, I think that because obviously, if you're you know an executive director of anything, if it's like the, a, a nonprofit organization or a cardboard box, like you can choose to neglect your family or you can choose to embrace them and include them and like for some reason that is really inspiring to me because it just the narrative has always been that a women in power basically have to compromise and they always have to kind of like choose their work or their family and I'm just like so moved by how she kind of um so tactfully balances uh, both of them and I think in my own life I think my best friend who is uh, a woman um, who is my same age, like she is um, inspiring to me. I think uh, having, you know, a very intelligent best friend who was like uh, on her way to becoming a doctor. I think she, I, I've always been impressed with her as we've grown up because she's been extremely, uh, you know, hardworking and very um, articulate and just like intellectually curious. Um, I think has, you know, impacted my life and has brought us closer together and seeing her kind of like continue on in her career, um, just fearlessly kind of navigating the medical school path and being placed into environments that are really difficult to be in um, as a young woman. Uh, it's, I don't know, I think about her all the time, obviously, because we've grown up together, but, and we're no longer together right now, like physically, but I am just like how I would never be able to do some of these things. And to be honest with you, I think my role models in life are just women because 
like I said, you kind of have to be everything. Um, if you want to be a, a woman um, who gets things done um, and is in power. So I think that it's just incredible for me to witness that. And I just, I kind of want to be more like that than this kind of very um, one dimensional type of archetypal male figure, male leader, I guess you could say. Yeah, as like a young girl, it's it can feel really nervous to speak to people or like speak to like male supervisors in particular. It's just sort of like a weird dynamic. Um, but Kiara is so welcoming, so welcoming. Like there's at no point where I ever felt like I was being pressured by her or that. Like I, I was intimidated by her, but you still like respect her so much. Like it's not like she's like passive or anything like that. It's just that she's this indomitable force kind of, but she's not trying to push you over. She's just there. Um, and uh, she does so much and she had this like vision and she just set out to do it and she's done so much already. And then also like my supervisor, Veronica, she's also a lovely lady too. Um, like they forge relationships. Like they're not trying to like use you or like they don't just consider you as someone who does work. They consider you as a person. Um, and it's a really nice relationship to have. Yeah, I, I guess I completely skipped Veronica in my little, <laughs> like um, my little answer that uh, response that I gave. But yeah, I, I, I think Veronica also embodies the same uh, characteristics that Kiara has. And it's just like, it's incredible to realize that people can be so kind and so like warm to newer people and people that they always know while also commanding um, not only like attention, but also commanding and, and directing people. I know commanding has like a kind of a negative um, connotation, but directing people in a way that, that um, is uplifting and not necessarily like domineering, um, which, you know, that's also sometimes you have to be like that. But I just I'm always like taken aback with how they're able to so skillfully like navigate that space of being like a leader um, because it's more difficult if you're a woman you know there's more there's more pressure on you to be all of that and not to like piss anybody off and because obviously people have different attitudes toward women but I am just like always trying to learn more from them and like I said um and Veronica is younger than me uh so I but I'm still like inspired and open to learning a lot from young people, younger people. I still consider myself young. I'm in my mid twenties, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. just like, I about yourself like, man, I'm, you know, I've, I've lived. You are. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a life, but, um, <laughs> but I just like, so, so inspired by younger people in a way that um, I don't think I was inspired as much by my peers when I was that age, but the, the people that are in this, like, sub generation sub next generation <laughs> they are like you guys are incredible yeah one thing that stuck out to me about um both of about what both of you are saying was just a lot of the expectations we have for um women leaders and the expectation that they have to be um a lot of things i i, I want to push back on that just a little bit only because 
I think they happen to be like, like Kiara, like Veronica, like many of the leaders in any space, but I don't think we should uphold the expectation that they are because ultimately when we put people on a pedestal and when, um, and, and there's a difference between pedestal and respect, I think it unfairly dwarfs their humanity because ultimately I think, at least for me, when I, when I speak with and when I was introduced to Dr. Diamore and Veronica, what stuck out to me was just how much confidence and clarity they lived with um, and that they live with. And I think that comes with a lot of things, you know, experience being a woman. Um, and obviously there's, there's no part of a woman's experience that I can speak to directly because I'm not a woman. <laughs> but that being said, I think it's, it's extremely powerful to have people that we can turn to, to look at, to see that balance is possible, that command is possible, respect, dignity, and kindness without having to be disrespectful. Um, whoever is listening to this episode, I definitely um, hope that, especially this month, but just in general, because we don't, we shouldn't have to wait for a particular month to highlight people. It's something to reflect upon. And speaking of reflection, I do want to transition to the last thing, which is like a constant feature of this podcast. And that's closing out the practical tip. So Alicia, I want to start with you. Is there one or maybe a couple um, practical tips that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I don't know. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I feel like we talked a lot about people this episode um, and sort of reevaluating the people that you're with. Like it's, it's hard to step away from people. You know, it, it feels like, like a dirty thing to do. Like you might have some relationships or good memories with them but you know if you feel like it's not helping you or that's like weird to think of like relationships is only beneficial to you but to feel like you're not getting anything out of it like it's just something that's draining you instead of trying to encourage you to be more ambitious um and to sort of reach new heights that's so corny but um <laughs> I guess it's sort of, yeah, just making sure that the people around you are there to uplift you and not bring you down um, and just really thinking about your security net. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really wise. I probably could have added more nuance with that, like whole not every friendship is the same. Like you can have one friend who you can just like rant out to and that can sort of be like the hallmark of that relationship, but it doesn't have to be what you have to do with everyone else. Like it's not like you have a specific type of relationship that you have to have with everybody. Um, sort of figuring that out too is just really important to like know the boundaries of others and what you're comfortable with um, and sort of how that can help you pursue things word how about you Gabe um what are your thoughts on some practical advice for our listeners I actually kind of want to like add on to that um I think you know having a lot of enduring friendships from like when I was really really young and then adding different ones um as I've gone through life I've had uh the privilege of seeing how relationships evolve 
like how you know friends that you um, were close to in high school and like the types of relationships that you would have maybe it was centered around because I used to be really involved in theater and like um, improv and, and things like that and having like a sillier relationship and then kind of seeing it take on a more serious tone and, and not to make it sound like sad or anything but to kind of be comfortable being vulnerable and um, kind of expressing yourself in different ways with that person. I think, you know, while you should kind of evaluate the people that you have around, sometimes there are relationships that are only for a season of your life, like maybe a semester of college or for the college experience in general, or for like um, the that little summer after high school. I think that so there are some relationships that you do hold on to that are not going to be the same. And I think that um, it's important to fortify that. If you know that someone is a good person that you would like to keep around forever, you should, I mean, it's important for people to recognize that like, sometimes it's not always going to be all funny games and laughs. And sometimes you're going to have to, um, you know, have some uh, tense exchanges and conversations with them or sometimes like a, a relationship that was super distant before will suddenly become a lot closer uh, but it's important I think to if you recognize that this person is a good person overall um, and that some someone that you would like to keep with you um, that it's important to like do check-ins and reevaluations and to do what's necessary to kind of push that evolution forward without you know, pushing them away or just ending it in general. Um, and like I said, there will be some kind of more tense points, but uh, if you know who they are, if you've grown up with them, or if you just have seen them in a lot of different situations, I think it's worth kind of going through all of that uncertainty and, and precarity um, in the relationship to get to the other side, to get to that fulfilling place and have that good experience. Nice. Relationships aren't something that like are stagnant. They are something that you have to cultivate. Yeah. I guess that's really important. It's like not, it's also not one-sided. When you critique a relationship, you can't just critique the other person. You have to exactly. fit into the mold. So it is like a really complex thing to delve into. It really, I, I feel very, very strongly about this. And I could go on for a long time about this, but because um, I've seen, other people's approaches to relationships and how if it doesn't work for a little bit a period of time then they kind of want to walk away from it and then I've seen you know I've had the the fortune of people like valuing me kind of more than I, I realized that I valued them and they kind of draw me closer and give me that opportunity to see them um, in that different light and then you know we just kind of keep evolving you know we're growing we're changing and the world around us is changing and um, the people around us are changing. So, but I actually heard a quote way long ago that I never forget. It was on the radio that um, uh, like the best people around you, you can grow separately without growing apart. And I thought that was really powerful. Um, and I've just kind of like kept that with me because I, there are so many different people in my life who I feel we are that quote, you know, we are different people and we've become even more different, but we are still just as close. I knew I said that was the last question, but you guys reminded me. Um, so on the note of growth in relationships, how do you think all of what you said, the, the importance of recognizing nuance in relationships and the changes um, and the type of growth you'll face with people in your life, how does that relate for you two 
and in the environmental space, in the community organizing space? I guess that people have an inherent relationship to nature and whether they want to acknowledge that or not is the issue. And that some people can sort of like really separate themselves from that and just like think it's completely detached from them. But I think sort of embracing that you do have a role in your environment. You might like don't have a, a big impact on like the global international scheme, but you do have an intimate impact on your own personal environment, whether that's your own home, whether that's your, just your local neighborhood. I think recognizing that relationship and seeing that you play a role in that and that you have the responsibility to uh, preserve this relationship because that's not a relationship you can ever let go. That's a permanent relationship. Um, and sort of making sure that you are doing the most to make maintain that relationship is important. Yeah, I, I guess I have the exact same response. <laughs> I mean, you basically said exactly what I was thinking. Um, and I, I don't really have much to add on to that. But yeah, just you have to make sure that you're maintaining that relationship and, and make sure that you're constantly um, nurturing it or in nourishing it. I don't know what the difference between those would be, but you're kind of like always making, taking the pulse and making sure that it's healthy and continuing to, you know, continuing you're making sure that you're revitalizing it every time it starts to kind of get a little bit um weak or just different thank you so much for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed the conversation for our next few episodes we'll be branching out to other environmental organizations in howard county maryland so stay on the lookout for our next conversation if you are a part of a community whose environmental work you'd like featured on our podcast, send us a message at communityecologyinstitute.org. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Community Ecology Institute. You can subscribe to Community Blooms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else where you get your podcasts. So, until next time, use your point of view, do what you can do, and strive to make sure your community blooms. Peace.